0: We celebrate today the, the resurrection of our Savior. Some 2,000 years later, we gather here in a church on a Sunday morning to celebrate what started on a Friday with the gruesome, savage beating of a lowly servant that was sent from God to take the sin of the world on his shoulders as he carried the cross to a place of shame called Golgotha. What I want to do for you guys for just a moment before we get into another part of our time together is I want to give you an a, a Easter story in a flash. Okay, well, I want to challenge you to go home you know, today, tomorrow, read through the Gospels, read about the accounts of the different guys and what they saw, and even the ladies as, as they watched their Savior die and come back to life. But what I'm going to do is give it to you in a flash, and then you, I'll give you a couple thoughts to think about as we leave today. So go with me. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was betrayed by one of his very own friends and disciple named Judas for just 30 pieces of silver. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is then judged by Jewish, the Jewish high court through the high priest Caiaphas and Annas, both of which wanted Jesus out of the way so they could get on with the things of the Jewish faith that they had worked so hard for. You see, the Jewish folk wanted to get Jesus taken care of so that they could get on with their Passover plans and celebrations. Begin to put yourself in this instance. Put yourself in this situation, journey with Jesus. Jesus then stands before before Pilate and he finds no wrong within Jesus and who he claims to be. So Pilate has Jesus flogged in hopes that it would appease the people, but it wasn't enough. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard about what this flogging looked like, but a cat of nine tails that when it would come around your body, it would literally rip your flesh off and your ribs would be exposed, basically. Take meat off of your body as it would come. And they, they had this way that they would... Flip their wrist. You know, some people know how to work whips and stuff like that for fun. I don't know why you would do that. It scares me, but you can you flip your wrist in a certain way, and then it just grabs in. And then when they pull, it pulls all of the flesh. And he had this done to him many, many, many times. Jesus is then uh, judged by, like you said, the high court again, and they're they're just so upset. They made a crown of thorns for his head as a mockery, and Pilate still wondered, will this be enough? They still yelled, crucify him. Pilate tried his very best to wash himself clean of all that was happening that day. However, because of the pressure that Pilate felt on all sides, the Jewish officials, the people, and Caesar, he he washed his hands of this. He washed his hands of this, and he let Jesus go to the religious folk. He was led away by Roman soldiers down the road to his crucifixion. That word actually comes from out of the cross. I don't know if you realize that, crucifixion, out of the cross, the excruciating pain that he went through. He was forced to carry that cross with some help of a, na- a man named Simon from Cyrene. On the top, that cro- on, that, on that cross were words, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, so that all could read and understand. The Roman soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. They laid him down, they crossed his feet over, and they took the nails and they drove them through his feet. Then they took his arms and they they sprawled his arms out and they ran those nails through his wrist area. If they did it in his hands, it would rip apart, but they did it in his wrist. And each time, he would have to pull up, push with nail-pierced feet and pull with nail-pierced wrist hands and pull up so that he could even breathe because it would collapse your lung basically every time. That was the goal of crucifixion, the worst type of death ever reserved for the worst people. They nailed him there to the cross. As he was on the cross dying, there was a criminal there beside him that he extended forgiveness to that day. People still hurled insults at Jesus and mocked him as he hung there that day, telling him, rescue yourself, come down from that cross if you can. If you're so connected to God... Just come on down. Tell him to help you out. Can you you imagine this, this scene that you see here? It was Friday, and Jesus died that day. Just to make sure they pierced his side and took him down from the cross and buried him in a tomb. And the man took him there by the name of Joseph. Saturday comes. I was thinking about this yesterday. Saturday is like the forgotten day, it seems like, right? Can you imagine what these guys were feeling on Saturday after all these crazy things happened? Saturdays there. After you know, you see uh, the, the the sky turn dark midday. After you you hear about the veil being torn in two in the temple that used to separate people from from the holy of holies, the place where they could encounter God, where they could feel His spirit in such a way that it was just so overwhelming. After all these things happen, then there's Saturday. People were crushed. I'm sure thinking, how am I going to make it without Jesus? These were people that followed Him. These were His disciples. These were His friends. And they're sitting here at Saturday. But here's the cool thing. Sunday's coming. Sunday came and with it the resurrection so that today we can celebrate. He came back to life like he said he would. And for some 40 days after his resurrection, he walked the earth before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. We could literally go home now and you'd be good just understanding that. That story, that story is the greatest story ever told. Why? So that you could stand here in the middle of a worship service and by faith claim healing over your body. So that you could stand here in a time and, and put your hand on a friend's uh, shoulder and claim restoration in their life. We could stop at that. But you know what's really cool is is within this story, there's other people's stories. That's why I want to encourage you to read as well on your own. But one of those guys uh, that, that I, I... One of my favorite folks in the Bible too... Um, again, I love them all, but uh, this guy is, is unique because I feel like he's one of those guys I can most identify with. Do you, do you ever read the word and, you're, and you feel like sometimes I have no idea what it's like to be that person? Then you read the word other times you're like, I can understand that, okay? You know what I'm saying there? Uh, like David's, right? Kai Alpha's been working through David for their whole semester, right, at this point. Um, that's a guy we can identify with. He knew how to mess up, D- did he not? He knew how to mess up, but what was great about David is he knew how to mess up, but he knew how to stand up and, and fess up and then live the life he was supposed to live. There's one of those guys in the New Testament that we see his story all throughout this story. And what I want to do is spend some time on that today. Remember, we've been in the middle of this story series, and over the past few weeks you've heard stories about the folks in our church and, and how God brought them here. We heard stories about that before and after experience where the blind man said, all I know is this, I was blind, and now I see. That's all I know. The only thing I can tell you is that after I met Jesus, I was different. So much so that I had restored sight, but not just restored sight, but restored relationship, right? And then last week, we talked about a one-week notice. Remember that? Hopefully, sometimes I forget week to week, so don't feel bad if you did. Okay? It's all right. I get it. But we talked about that one-week notice and the life of Jesus in that last week leading up to his death and the things that happened in the midst of that and how we were challenged to, to, to die to self, to live to serve, to trust God right at all times and walk in life through the Holy Spirit. So today we find ourselves at the day that has literally changed time as we know it. God exists outside of time. You realize that, right? He doesn't have a watch. He's not rocking a, a psycho or seiko. All right. But he's not up there saying, <laughs> he's not up there saying, okay, let's see. It's high noon. I think today will be the time of this day that I do this for Jordan. He doesn't do that. See, God just does what he wants to do when what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He does what he does when he does it, okay? That's the kind of God we serve. But this moment in time that we can put, you know, on the dial is a time that changed life and time forever as we know it. This day changed everything. We celebrate the victory that came by way of Jesus' death and resurrection. So like I said before, I want to to go a little different route when it comes to Easter, and uh, we've talked about the story a little bit, but let's talk about the story within the story. You'll know who I'm talking about as soon as I give you some of the descriptives and some of the the life stories of this guy. Jesus' first words to him were, come, follow me in Mark one seventeen, and his last words were this, you must follow me, John 21.22. He was just a plain fisherman who became a new person once he was one of Jesus' friends. He wasn't perfect. He actually made a lot of notable mistakes but had some great successes as a part of being one of Jesus' friends, one of his disciples. He often spoke without thinking. It was impulsive by nature. Do you find yourself in that at all? I I see that guy in the mirror pretty often, okay? Everybody says amen. All of a sudden revival hit because you know me. He became one of the recognized leaders among Jesus' disciples. He wasn't someone that you would normally pick out to be on your team, but he was chosen by Jesus, his name before meant reed shaken by the wind, but the name that Jesus gave him meant rock. Who is he? He's Peter. I can totally identify with this guy. Anybody with me? Have you ever found yourself in life where you are just so zealous to serve God that you'll do anything in the world, so much so that you'll take a, a sword and cut somebody's ear off? Nobody's ever done that? Okay, moving along. Um, It's just me, I guess. Um, He he was so zealous, so excited to get close to Jesus. You know, he just like jumps out of a boat. Remember that? And what does he do? He walks on water. That's pretty legit. I don't know if anybody else has ever done that in this room, but I would love to see that. If you go fast enough, you can for a little while, but then eventually, right? Isn't that what science has shown us and proved to us over time? But the thing is, what happened when he got his eyes off Jesus? He began to sink. And again, you heard about him with his uh, wielding of a sword. He's also notably known as the guy who denied Jesus three times, right? And that's what we really hear about him in this uh, Easter story time as well. But he was also the guy, this is what I like, that Jesus said he would build the church upon. Peter, I can totally identify with this guy. I can totally see where he comes from with his craziness, with his desire just to love Jesus with everything in him, but mess up. Time and time again. See, today the resurrection, right, is about relationship. The resurrection brings us close to God through Jesus. The resurrection reinstates and reconfirms and rebuilds relationship that we have with him. Peter was a guy that understood this completely. The goal here is to stay in relationship. We left off last week about living a life through the Holy Spirit. That's how we maintain this relationship and we see that in the life of Peter. So journey with me for just a little bit and look at some lessons that we learn from his life. The first lesson that we learn from the life of Peter is this, don't doubt. This is, this is very difficult. This is part of the reason I was outside on my back porch hanging out with Jack and looking for flowers to bud up, okay? Don't doubt. Matthew 14, 28 through 31. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You little faith, he said, why did you doubt? See, this walking on the water experience, we read that, but we don't necessarily read into it a lot and think about it. When you read the Bible, a lot of times it's just those far-fetched stories that were for back then that don't necessarily apply now. Has God kind of put some things in your spirit, maybe even over the last few weeks, or the last year, or the last months, where you're challenged to do something that's crazy? That you're challenged to step out in faith to do stuff? Kai Alpha just got back from missions trips all over, and I've heard some great stories about where you guys were challenged. Okay, like big time where you're doing, what was it called, Rob? A drive-by praying or something Um, down in Atlanta. Uh, These guys would just, you know, jump out, ask somebody, how can I pray for you? Give them food and keep going. That's a good drive-by there. If those could happen in L.A., there's going to be some changes. Matt says amen. Okay, all right. Straight out of Compton. That's Matt. But see, God challenges us to do stuff. But what does the enemy do right away? He gives you a list of things and reasons why you cannot do them. Now, let's make it real for us folks that aren't in college anymore and maybe aren't in careers and things like that. Do you find it challenging to talk to people about God sometimes? I do. Like, you're a pastor. Well, that's, that makes it a little bit easier because they're like, what do you do for a living? Well, I work at a church. Really? What do you, what do, you do? I'm the pastor. There's no way you're a pastor. Like, is that good or bad? You know, as these guys that are fixing our yard beside us, putting in a big old drain down there. Um, the guy said, you're not a pastor. I'm like, I promise you I am. I'm not going to lie, kind of thing. And, he, and I think he was expecting a collar. He was expecting. The thing is, some people, they're going to be like, you're a Christian? And it's not necessarily that you're not living the life. I'm not saying that. But they just don't necessarily expect that out of you. And then from that point, doubt begins to sink in where it's like, Can I even talk to them about God? Can I I live the life he's called me to be? And all of a sudden that doubt begins to creep in, doesn't it? It happens easily and it happens to everybody. Peter's a perfect example of what it looked like to have doubt. The second thing, the second lesson that we learn from Peter today is this. Don't deny. Don't deny. Matthew 26, 69 through 74 says this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said, uh, said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. That's what they say about people from Culpeper. Your accent gives you away. That's where I grew up in Virginia, trust me. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And what did he hear after that? The rooster crow. Sometimes we get so filled with doubt. We get so scared about sharing our story, sharing the Easter story, sharing anything that we just like, you know what? I'm just going to deny it all together. See, Jesus called him on the carpet with this thing before, right? He said, you're, you're going to deny me. You're going you're gonna to say you don't even know me, that you don't even care kind of thing. Do you ever start the day saying, today will be the day that I deny Jesus? When somebody asks me about him, I'm going to say, no, not at all. Don't know the man, never met him in my life. You know, kind of thing. Normally, you wake up to that. You don't hear it midday, right? So I'm sure that was fun for Peter. But we don't, we don't intend, right? We intend to be zealous for him, not against him. And it's kind of funny with this whole denial thing. It's, it's, it's Peter's personality. Think about it, isn't it? Because his personality, not to deny, but his personality is to go all in with his faith or whatever he believes in. Think about it. Because he was sitting around the table saying, I would never, man, No! Not at all. And then a second later, I never know. Not at all. But your accent gives way. I, don't know you, I, don't, I do not know what you're talking about. All of a sudden, he's from Great Britain. He was all in. And you see that later in his life in the book of Acts, how he was all in, if you think about it. He was. Because remember, he was blown by the wind. He was that reed that was blown by the wind. But Jesus said, you're going to be a rock that I'm going to build the church upon, that, that I'm going to do some amazing things through. But what happens if we don't stay in? We begin to deny. We don't even intend to do it, but it happens. How do you avoid it? Be honest with yourself. If you see indicators, if you see the little red flags that are going up, where you see yourself slightly doubting, that you see yourself beginning to deny him in small ways, look, turn around quick. Have people in your life that know you. People in your life that are willing to say, hey, look, Charles, bro, I don't like your attitude right now. That's not who you're supposed to be. I know you. You've welcomed me into your life to, to give you some correction at times. So here's the deal. you got to turn around, bro. I don't like what I'm seeing. If we love each other enough and we do it right, and we have permission to kind of thing, we can help one another to not doubt and to not deny, but to live in and through him. It's important it's essential. The third thing that we learn from Peter's life is this. Don't be discouraged. This is a very small bit of Scripture here. A very small portion uh, out of Matthew 26, 75. It's just the second part of that portion of Scripture there. After we see Jesus deny, be denied by Peter, and we see uh, Peter's reaction he went outside and wept. He was deflated. He was discouraged. He was broken. I can tell you there's so many times that I found myself in that place. Again, it wasn't this big, overt Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram photo of, like, saying no to the cross or something. It wasn't one of these things where I overtly denied him. But I found myself discouraged and deflated where I felt like I couldn't make it because I'd messed up too much. Right? Have you ever felt that way? Am I the only? Okay, good. So I'm, you are human with me kind of thing. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. You find yourself in this place of discouragement. And it's not necessarily about what's going on around you, but what's going on within you. You have expectations and desires for your life and your relationship with God, but sometimes we just mess up. We just fall short, right? We just botch it. We just, we got face right in the ground, flat on our face, and we're discouraged. And the thing is, we will all find ourselves in that place at one time or another. And the only thing we can do, and the lady says, just have a good cry. I just need a good cry. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing wrong with a good cry. Fellas, don't even act like you don't cry. It's actually popular now for guys to cry. All right? I did a small survey on the campus yesterday, and I found out of the two people I talked to... I'm kidding. No, don't you love that, though, with statistics? What was your sample size? 13? That's great. But sometimes we just need to feel that moment, though. You know why here's my thing. Sometimes I like feeling that stuff so that I can remember what it's like and not go back. How many of you guys love having colds? <laughs> but you have a cold, you get over it, and you appreciate your wellness after that, don't you? You know what I'm saying by that? I don't like, I don't, I rarely get sick. Like, Hardly ever. I don't know what it is. I must have the world's strongest stomach or intestines or something. I don't know what it is, but I don't hardly ever get sick, which makes me appreciate wellness that much more when I feel it, because I turn into the world's largest baby. Kara <laughs> turns into my mother, and I'm like, what's wrong? I've got you know? It's probably allergies. Suck it up. And I'm like, I can't, woman, you know, kind of thing. You know I'm weak. You are strong, you know, kind of thing. Childbearing does that to you, right, fellas? You know exactly, no, you never will. <laughs> I turn into the biggest baby, though. But those moments of infirmity, those moments of not feeling all make you appreciate being better. You see what I'm saying? There is nothing like being able to go out and just walk the path down by the river kind of thing or to play basketball with your friends or or to go out and garden or to go out and just just... Take a walk through the woods or to hunt or to fish or whatever. There's nothing like being well. Nothing like it. But there's also nothing like not feeling well and being discouraged and feeling even disqualified. That's where Peter found himself. Amidst all these things going on around him, these supernatural things that were backed by prophecy and, and things that people never thought would really happen in their day and age, he found himself discouraged and disqualified even. But there's something we can learn from that. And it comes by way of John 21, 15 through 17. When Jesus had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs first time. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, two times. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Remember, it was Simon Peter, if that doesn't make sense to you yet. Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus starts his dialogue where he says, well, then feed my sheep. Peter was absolutely obliterated. He had gone back to what he knew best, fishing, hanging out with his boys, out on a boat, assuming life as usual. It's kind of funny how we do that in human nature. Put yourself in the situation. Something terrible happens, something catastrophic in your life. What do you go back to doing what you did before you met him? That's what I did. Some of the hardest times in my life, what did I do? I went to default behaviors, default relationships, default things that I knew. Sometimes the default is so comfortable that we want to stay there. We think it's actually better. But God doesn't want to keep us there. He has greater plans for our lives. Here you find Peter with his buddies fishing. Just throwing out the nets, hoping to get something back. And here comes Jesus. He's like, bring in some fish. Come on, let's go to the beach. We're going to go over here to the beach. We're going to have us a fish fry. That's, those are kind of popular right now if you've seen any of the Catholic churches around town. Woo! But he says, come on, Peter, come here. And he asks him, do you love me? Do you love me with an undying love, Peter? He said, do you love me where it's a self-sacrificial love where you'll lay everything down for me? Do you love me with everything that's in you? Three times he says yes. It's Kind of like it obliterated those three denials, didn't it? Like it totally wiped those three denials away. Those three no's turned into three yeses. At that moment in time, something changed. The resurrection power changed Peter's life. Because, you know, I bet at that point, he went back to read, blown by the wind, didn't he? If you think about it. He wasn't standing firm in anything that he learned about in these past years that he spent with Jesus in ministry. He wasn't a rock at all, man. Not at all. He was just doing whatever. In a boat. Being carried by the wind. By the waves. Whatever. It didn't matter at this point. But then Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? When he says your name, when he says your name, he wants to bring you back to him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. That's what it's all about. That's what these papers are all about. Your story. Your story. We want to know where you're at with him. Why? Because we want to help you along the way. Because we have books of these about our own lives. Our ups, our downs, our falling shorts. We wear belts now, it helps. But our falling shorts, where we've messed up. But we want to journey together because that's what it's about. We we call your name out in prayer. Why do you think we have on the back of those cards a prayer blank? So that we can pray for you so that we can believe with you for great things. We want to know your story because we want to call your name before God because we know when we call your name before his name, things change. At that point in Peter's life, the resurrection, Easter, made sense because what happened? He was reinstated. He was back in the fold. He was a disciple again. Think about that. Is that what it's really about? It wasn't a a divine healing, was it, in Peter's life? It wasn't that. It wasn't, uh, yeah, there was a miraculous catch of fish, but it wasn't, you know, this thing where his arm popped back out. It wasn't this thing where, you know, all of a sudden a bunch of money came up in the boat and he was rich forever. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was the relationship restored. It was a reinstatement of the call. I was talking with one of my former students this past week. And um, he's a, an artist, meaning a musical artist. And uh, he produced uh, his first CD kind of thing. And I'd love to tell you that it was filled with, with gospel music and hymns of the Lord, our Christ. But it wasn't. And one of the songs was alluding to the past and where life could have been different for him. And he talks about a line with, should have listened to my preacher. He didn't know I was listening to his music because you probably wouldn't want to listen to his music if you want to stay encouraged in the faith. But I felt like I should listen to this song, and I did, and I texted him right away. And I said, you still can be a good boy. You still can be what God wants you to be. His love for you does not change. Nothing changes his love. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about you know exactly what I'm talking about. Once a mama, always a mama. Once a dad, always a dad. Then you get that privilege of being a grandparent, and that's even cooler. The love that you have for your child is nothing compared to the love that our father has for us. And what he wants to do in your life doesn't change. He still wants to do it. He still wants to reinstate your call. To what? Serving him, loving him? and serving and loving others. He wants to do it. That's, that's the basis. That's, that's, the, that's the road. That's the bottom of where it starts and where you take off from there. He wants to do it in your life, but it's your choice. Our worship team's going to come, and we're going we're gonna to have one last song together here on Easter Sunday. And I just, I really want to challenge you with this. You may find yourself in a state when it comes to your relationships that you're not where you want to be. You may find yourself in a place of wonder um, if it's ever going to work out, if it's ever going to straighten out, if it's ever going to happen. You might find yourself just broken down. You might find yourself at the place Peter found himself one week later from the resurrection. That's what the Bible says. A week later, they were together. One week later. It's, it's funny how often we forget so quickly. Remember how bad it was to not feel well and how good it feels to feel well. It only took a week for these guys to go back to what they did before. You may be weeks from where you were before. And God wants to challenge you today. He wants to offer you a reinstatement of relationship with him Eternity with him and the opportunity to challenge others to the same thing. That's what he wants to do in your life. Let me get you to stand with me for a moment. We're going to sing a a song called forever. And, And really, that's what the cross did. The cross, his death, his resurrection gave us forever with him. And maybe in some ways this morning you may be questioning your forever. I've said this before, and I will say it until I'm blue in the face. Heaven is real. Hell is, too. Hell wasn't made for you. Understand that. People use that stuff in churches, scare tactics, don't they? Have you been to those kinds of churches? You got Jonathan Edwards up there dangling you over hell. Oh, you're going to be in a hot place, bless God, kind of thing. telling you he loves you to change if i were to scare you to 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 heaven then i have to scare you to keep you in that path that's not right that's not the way it's supposed to be Kara doesn't come in every night and say you know what if you're not good i'm done i'm out are you scared yet if you're not good i'm gonna take away your keys my baby i just want to drive nope She doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to take the kids. I'm running away. No. Love. Love is what binds us together. Love is what works. That's what drove Jesus to his death. was love. And his love for you. His individual specific love for you with all the specific things that are happening in your life. That love. So, you have heaven. Now look, if you choose not to serve him, That's the other option. But it's a choice. It's not a dictatorship. That's not how Jesus rolls. That wasn't God's idea. Where it's like, I'm going to make you love me. If you don't, it's not good for you. He wants you to love him because he first loved you. That's it. He's pled his case. He's put it on the table. He says, I love you. Here's how much. And his son spread his arms and died. That's how much I love you. How much do you love me? and what he's looking for is for arms like this raised high saying I surrender I give it up I give it up you you don't get saved you don't rededicate your life and he changes you completely I still love vehicles I love trucks, cars all that kind of stuff you know what I'm saying by that I still like music with a beat all of a sudden it's not devil thump thump music no no I like music with a beat. (laughs) That didn't change when I gave my life to Christ. Pastor Ted says this thing, I like it. He says, You don't stop dancing, you just change partners. And that's the thing. Some relationships may change around you, yes, but the most important relationship will be intact between you and Him. So, this is what I want you to do. One way or another, you're going to make a decision one way or another a decision to say i surrender or i kind of surrender and it's not about the hype it's not about well we had 37 people at the altar this morning it looked like a river up there all the tears because if, if i gotta hype you up i can't keep you it doesn't work if you want to come up here and have a moment and, and kneel down or sit in these chairs or go to a different spot in the room that's fine because we want to pray with you and journey with you but it's got to be real his death on the cross wasn't theatrics wasn't pyros it was real your life with him has to be real otherwise it will not work if it can't work out there it can't work in here just saying that's it so it's got to be real so it's got to be this conversation that you have with him like Jesus, you know it all. Being that you know it all, I surrender all. I give you everything. Because I want to be with you forever. And that's the most important decision I can ever make. I want my kids to be with you forever. I want my mom and my dad to be with you forever. I will be the lead domino. I'll be the change that I want to see in my family and the lives of those around me. I'll give everything. And again, it doesn't mean you stop liking music with a beat. Music with profanity interviews, you know what I'm saying? Because you love him. You'll want to serve him, you'll want to do what pleases him. My kids are like that. I love it. Because I love them. They want to, Dad, what do you think? kind of thing. I didn't earn that by by being mean. I earned that by loving them. He loves you. So close your eyes with me for a second. And this is your face-to-face moment with God. This is your face-to-face moment identifying what Jesus did for you on the cross. This is your face-to-face moment with eternity hanging in the balance. This is your moment where you say, yes, I don't know, no, whatever, man. This is your moment, and it's your choice, because you have to choose for yourself how you'll live and who you'll serve. That was his plan. That was his goal. God, I thank you so much for your people in this room. I thank you for your presence that is here. I thank you, God, that you have put eternity in the heart of man, and your desire for that eternity is to be spent with you. I thank you for that, God. I thank you, God, that years ago I said yes. Those years have been riddled with mistakes, mishaps, Misfortune, all kinds of stuff, God. But yet, you still love me. Yet, you still love Peter enough to say, come back in, son. Come back in. And when you go out, I want you to take care of my sheep. You love me that much, God, and you love every person in this room, in this world, that much. So today, we make a decision. A decision to love you, to serve you, Or not. We may not be ready for that, God, and it may take another conversation, but God, as the foundry, we're here for those conversations too. Because we love your people, God. Because you've helped us get better, you've helped us get well. We want to do the same for others. We want people to be with you for eternity, for forever. And we thank you. Lord, we make a decision today a decision anyway we make a decision